When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. News team, assemble! It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. And my voice is screwed. Yes, so I, I think I got that upper GI, and I just like I can't do high notes anymore. So either that or I'm dying. I've got cancer of the throat. So uh, welcome back. It's the unofficial forty podcast. The Sooner Scoop crew is here. Uh, we've given George the the podcast off because he's got so much crap going on right now. No, let's just say what happened. He's suspended. <laughs> he's suspended for one week. Uh, he's not suspended. Uh, How about Day Team is Norman? Suspended. That's who's suspended. I I curse you, Eddie Ratto, because uh, you have been you forced. I've been singing "Collide" all morning. <laughs> Great <laughs> song, Howie Day, such a, a classic. Back in the day, it it's was. such a classic. One of my best friends from uh, high school. Is uh, that like his wedding song? No, he, but no, very single. He had a well, actually, maybe not. Uh, had a uh, Howie Day CD that he took with him his freshman year of college, and they live in the fraternity house at Oklahoma mm-hmm. State. Mm-hmm. And I think by like the second weekend of school he got it taken away like it like his parents had taken it away some of the upperclassmen they took were it away. sick of hearing how he did well they he they would get back from the bars at you know whatever time and i guess it would just be blaring throughout the sigma new house in Stillwater. <laughs> and they took it away from him and hit it for like a, a year uh deservedly classic so. song though. yeah classic song and Still haven't heard back to Lincoln heard? Riley. All right. That album uh, had quite a few songs on it that I, I remember liking. Uh, so anyway, uh, we are here, SMU week, and uh, it's been uh, a lot of stuff. We've already had media. Uh, it's Wednesday, Monday, and Tuesday. We had media. Brent Venables had his press conference yesterday. Uh, George has been tracking the uh, Norman city of Norman proposal for this pretty much the same uh, thing they proposed back in 2017. George keeps saying it's in a different place. It's, I don't believe it's in a different place. It's, it was always going to be north of Rock Creek there, right on I-35. That's where this proposal is. Sorry, George. I know you're not here to defend yourself. I think it's like a mile or half a mile. I know that area is really close over there, but yeah. same idea. Right. I mean, it's it's there at University North Park. Rock Creek is where it's across the street. Like There's like the Guitar Center and... Yeah. Um, I think it's like technically anything else there, but technically I think it is like outside of the North Park area on the map that they showed this morning. I don't know. It doesn't. Well, there's like a steel yard, like right up against the highway there on the corner. Then there's the armory on the other side. But I will say this: it it would be more convenient to get to that location for for people from coming from Oklahoma City because you can get off like on Tecumseh. You can't get off on Rock Creek. 
which is kind of weird. Correct. Um, that is always They used strange. to have that artillery mound there that they knocked down when they started doing all this stuff. Uh, and University North Park, they're like, they're in a, it's University Park North, I think. Uh, anyway, they're, they're building a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of restaurants and stuff. It's the newer part of Trey town. Trey Young? Trey Young's is place almost is done. almost done. Yeah, yep. it's coming along really quickly. Um, that's the family, li- not the family life center. That's what the Baptist churches in Oklahoma had, um, like youth center or whatever that thing. But it's going to bring a lot of AAU high- tournaments yes, and stuff. A like lot that. of Adidas tournaments will be coming to Norman. I'm excited about that. So you know, an entertainment district, if it passes, University of Oklahoma would be a major tenant, and basketball, women's and men's would play there. They'd probably have a lot of uh, wrestling stuff there. Uh, but, it, you know, the plan is it's like going to have restaurants and, and I don't know, you know, you got Riverwind, you got, uh, you got the, was the Criterion downtown, uh, plus you got whatever the arena is going to be over the next few years. Like, how many concerts are going to come to Norman for oh, that? Yeah. I don't know. I, I have uh, no idea. Uh, it would, you know, I would imagine it'd be like, I mean... BOK, Paycom is where all the big acts go. I don't think they're going to... It's 8,000... 8,000 is nice, though. Stadium, which... Perfect number for current college basketball standards. Right, yeah. I mean, there's no reason to build 15,000, you know, seats. I know people are like, why is it so small? Because 8,000 people rarely go to basketball games. Men's college in this state, especially since the Thunder have been here. So, George is kind of working on that story, uh, plus stuff from this week. Uh, We... You know, I, I got invited to go talk to Al's class, and I'm dragging Eddie and, and George with me to all class things now. That's just how it works. Um, so I don't have to talk for an hour, basically. Um, and there's going to be an interesting thing that happens in that because George did not take Al's class. Al loves George, and he wants to know exactly what the story was behind there. So George has got to lie a little bit coming up later. Um, anyway, we welcome in Josh McQuistian. Uh Josh, you know, we, we've had some visits over the weekend, I think. Uh, we might as well start with our Enjoy Vision, fresh perspective, look around and start with the recruiting uh, because you, you're coming off some visits. We didn't really have a chance to do uh, a YouTube video about the visit. There were only a couple official, right, too? Um, and yeah, then you had, you had the, uh, the bussy stuff that was out there. Uh, but uh, uh, fill us in a little bit on, on kind of how the weekend went for Oklahoma, Danny Okoye in, and some decisions uh, are getting ready to happen again. Yeah, you know, I think um, Danny Okoye is obviously the name everybody else is going to want to hear about and talk about the uh, big-time defensive end from Tulsa Noah. Um, you know, talking to Danny really through kind of through the weekend, Danny, you know, and I just communicate a lot, and he was – he clearly loved the trip. I mean, I, I think it was a big we, – we knew, and I talked about it last week, this was going to be huge for how he looked at Oklahoma and kind of what the – final stretch of his recruitment was going to be because prior to last weekend he was talking about making a decision october this was probably going to be his last chance to visit norman before that decision came to pass and now i'm not so sure i would say that anymore both the decision in october nor do i think it has to be his last uh visit to oklahoma before his decision so uh danny is very high on Oklahoma at the moment. I think that visit did a lot for him. Uh, he's still planning to visit Texas for Wyoming, obviously, in a couple of weeks. I guess about a week and a half now. Um, so there are still teams in play. But I think it's Oklahoma, Texas, and Tennessee. And I really think it's for him it's Oklahoma and Tennessee. Um, I think the proximity is is 
favoring Oklahoma. I know you talk to some people around Tulsa, they act like OU is in very, very good shape. So, uh, what do you think I, like changed? I, said, I think, oh, go ahead. What do you think changed from this, this last weekend? Like, what, what made the biggest Im, uh, imprint on them? I think Danny so much wanted to see Oklahoma make progress. And, you know, we talked about it in the postgame pod. I, I think we saw signs of that. And I think at the same time, it's kind of perfect for Oklahoma. The defense is clearly improving. The talent's getting better. The, the so- assignment football is getting better. But who was the pass rusher? I mean, like, who is out there that Danny's going to say to himself, I can't, I can't make, I can't have a role next year. I can't be that guy. There's nobody that's going to scare him off. Um, you know, I mean, and obviously, we, we think a guy like P.J. Adebare is extremely talented, but there's no reason they can't be opposite of each other. You know, that, that's the way a confident guy like Danny's going to look at that. So, uh, now, I, I want to temper everybody. I think Danny has a lot to learn. And obviously, coming from very, very small school football, it's going to be a big jump for him. But Danny's 6'4", 240, and runs like there's no tomorrow. So, I mean, like, the, the tools are there. It's going to be, at that point, how much does he work, how much... Can Miguel Chavis help get him ready? All those things that we know. But I would say from a physical standpoint, he's more mature at the same point than P.J. Adabare was. I mean, Danny is a weight room guy. So um, I, I just I think it was really um, – I think all along Danny has wanted to believe in the vision Brent Venables has for Oklahoma, the, the idea of what that defense can be. But last year shook him. I mean, like there, there's no question that that – impacted the way he was looking at the program are you worried at all that this is a lot of talk and euphoria of the visit sunday monday but then as he gets to texas then all of a sudden we do shift to october november like this process does take a little bit longer again this is danny okoye i am going to be prepared <laughs> for all curveballs um and you know i i think that's probably something Oklahoma, I'm not going to say they're going to be excited about it, but they're okay with it. I mean, because, you know, we were talking before the pod, guys. There's not a lot of targets left on the board for Oklahoma. I mean, there's not a lot remaining out there, so they can still pour a lot of attention, a lot of energy into him, and can do so for a guy that's, you know, an hour and a half drive from Oklahoma Stadium. So it is it's something where I think they feel like, whether it's now or later, if they're doing what they need to on the field, the rest probably takes care of itself. Um, but they're, I mean, again, you're right. Texas, we know they're going to roll out the red carpet for Danny. They, they want him. Um, but I, I wonder, should they land Zeno Umiazulu, who we expect to pick Texas to follow his brother Neto? Um, they land him and Colin Simmons. I don't, I mean, you're talking about three players of very similar roles, similar body types. Um, Now, Danny's much more physically developed than those two are, but they're going to be expected to be similar styles. Um, And I think Danny's a smart guy, and he's going to be aware of that. And it's not to say that Texas can't overcome that, but I do think that would be a hurdle. It's just funny hearing you talk about Danny Okoye and thinking how he's playing at homeschool football in the state of Oklahoma and then compared to like somebody like Azina or whoever and he's more physically advanced than those guys and you see what they do on a Friday night at some of the bigger high schools in the state of Texas I have heard stories when you go up to NOAA practices that like if they're on a um, 
you know, Noah has to travel a lot, goes to a lot of different games all around the country. I hear stories about him getting into like hotel workout areas at like two in the morning. Like he just can't sleep and he'll go work out. Like, I mean, that is Danny's I know how that feels. <laughs> yeah, I know you do, Eddie. I know you do. You're committed to the grind. That's right. Um, but th- there is, like I said, he's just, he's a unique guy that is very self-motivated. When you talk to people around him, I mean, Danny has this personality that I think people will assume kind of means like, oh, he's kind of a diva and he's kind of about himself. But like, you know, he's always taken teammates with him to stuff. Like he, he likes to share some of that spotlight, but he's also a guy that works his butt off. I mean, like, yeah, guys, you've seen the kid. You don't look like that if you're not working in the weight room. Like he, he's just a big old massive dude. And he's still got to learn a lot. And there, I think technically he is incredibly raw, especially compared to guys like you're talking about, Colin Simmons at Duncanville, you know, Zeno Umiazulu at Allen. I mean, those are some of the most well-coached programs in the country. Um, and that's not a shot at Noah. Noah just has a small staff. I mean, it's a small little school and, you know, a very niche kind of deal. I, I would guess before Danny Okoye, 99% of the people in our listenership have never heard of Tulsa Noah. Uh, and, uh, I mean, outside the official visits, uh, what, I mean, obviously you see a lot of buzz about guys having good visits, but, uh, you know, unofficially, officially, whatever, what was kind of the big takeaway from this weekend for you? Well, you know, I I did want to, obviously Danny's the headliner, but in, uh, in England, the headliner is the number one player in the country, Daniel Akinkumi. Um, uh, Bob, do you have something? No, that, yep. The number one player in the country. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I plan to use that headline as often as humanly possible. Um, But, yeah, he's a guy that that. has canceled all of his – not canceled, but he is elected to not take some of the official visits he was talking about. And I know people will kind of look at his offer list and be a little skeptical, but, I mean, this guy was going to take trips to Clemson, Michigan, Ole Miss. I mean, some big, big visits, and he just said – no, I think I'm going to focus on my team. Uh, he kind of he's already said October 12th as his announcement date. Um, you know, for those out there that keep track of this, that is um, that is the birthday of a family member of mine, and so it that seems to bode well for Oklahoma. When I have a conflict in schedule, that seems to go well. So read into that how you will. But I, I definitely like where Oklahoma is for him. Um, another guy, very raw, a lot of work to do, but the raw tools are off the charts. I mean, he he is a Bill Biedenboe special. If he will buy in, do the things he needs to do, and he talked about that. You know, a, a big part of what he loved about the Oklahoma trip was the players telling him, hey, man, if you want to be great, this is where you got to be. Like, Bill's going to push you and get everything he can out of you. And I think he, I think he bought into that. I mean, he really he, he sees Oklahoma as a good fit for what his personal goals are because he said he wants to be the greatest offensive lineman to ever play the game. Now, I know that's a massive thing for an 18-year-old kid to say, but if you're going to go chase it, I mean, you got to believe you're working with a guy who can do it, and that seems to be what he came away with. Um, as far as you know, any other kind of quick notes, uh, obviously Terry Bussey being there was huge. Um I continue to hear that Oklahoma likes how that's going. They think they're in good shape there. But at the same time, 
I think they know Texas A&M's the favorite. I mean, they, they know that's that's going to be tough to overcome, but he loves Emmett Jones. There, there's no question. That relationship is very strong. Uh, I think if all things are equal, I think Oklahoma might might be the choice. I'm just not sure everything is going to be equal. You know, read into that how you will with the Texas A&M decision. But, um, and I guess... You know, finally, one of the big ones that was really interesting, Nate Roberts, getting back on campus, the Washington tied in. It was his first time back since decommitting from uh, from Notre Dame. Or was he at Sooners in the Sun? I'm, I'm trying to remember. I have to hang on. I can, I've got my list here. Um, but, I mean, either way, he, he wasn't. Okay, I'm not totally crazy. But uh, I, I like where that's headed. I've got a, I've got a prediction in for him um, with Oklahoma. I don't think it's immediate i don't think it's going to happen in the next week or anything like that but it does feel like he and oklahoma have really pivoted from what was kind of a rocky relationship to the spring and summer so wild to me i know that we were talking before we uh, got started josh that you probably need to start looking at 2025 guys but with nate roberts in particular for some reason i just can't wrap my head around the idea that he's still a junior it feels like he's one of those guys that's been around for so right long, Eddie. <laughs> i mean you know uh, he, he, we knew about him because obviously because of Jake, um, everybody was like, oh, you know, Jake's little brother. You got to watch him. Nate, he's going to be a good one. And then he makes the move to Washington and everybody gets excited. And um, so I think it was just he's had a lot of things that, you know, caught people's attention. And then obviously all that, like we've said, have transpired with Jake's recruitment, at, you know, once he left North Texas and all that's happened. I think he's just been very focal. But it is crazy to think that like as much as we've talked about him, he's still got basically two full years of high school football to go. Um, but this is, again, guys, two or three months ago, we were talking about the shape that tight end room is in and mm-hmm. what it was going to mm-hmm. look like, not only this year, but the future. But if your next two tight ends are Devon Mitchell and Nate Roberts, hey, like I'm not saying problem solved or mission accomplished, but you are absolutely on the right track, uh, you know, there for Joe John Finley. I mean, I guess I'm stating the obvious here, but that'd be one of the better classes, not only that he's brought in, but I mean, maybe I don't want to say all time because I don't think I can recall just all the tight end classes they've brought in, but that would be unbelievable. And, you know, I guess considering what they were able to put on the field on uh, Saturday, I don't know. I feel a little bit better about that room all of a sudden. Well, and you got to remember though, Eddie, I mean, I know, I mean, I totally get how this happened, Devon Mitchell's 2024 now. He'll yeah. Oh, there. that's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. I'm an idiot. Yeah. So, so a little different, but I mean, I, I hear what you're saying completely. I mean, that you get those two in back to back years and you're tied in room, you know, and I, I think that is what made it all kind of work because I right. think Oklahoma did want both, but it was going to be tough to a make the numbers work and b how they were going to figure that way through that. And then guys, you know, Eddie, just to focus on this, you know, the, the current roster, what you saw Cade McIntyre the other day gives you some reason to think like, okay, this guy might be a player down the road. I mean, he's not, you know, like Brent said, he's not ready to be all big 12 or anything right now, but there's, there's very much a world where you could see Oklahoma going, going, you know, double tight with Blake Smith and Cade McIntyre and Devon Mitchell, you know, some sort of um, mixture of those guys going forward. Yeah. And it kind of gives you a little bit of confidence, like maybe they're headed back into the, you know, the, the era where you had Mark Andrews followed up by like a, a Grand Calcaterra before all his injuries and 
you know, then what you thought was going to be Austin Stogner, which hasn't really played out like we maybe thought, but it gives you kind of a blueprint to think, okay, maybe there's a lineage beginning again at the tight end position. Unrelated, but it kind of made me think of that just as far as some of the stuff Andrew Rame said last night, as far as they want to be able to bash people, I think was yes. his quote. Dominate, it seems like bash. Jeff Levy's identity of this offense is starting to take a little bit more hold as far as what they want to be able to do. Uh, you know, obviously running the ball quite a bit is going to be front and center with uh, with Jeff, but it, it seems like almost in a way, I don't want to call it the stank of uh, you know Lincoln Riley and what he had offensively because it was really, really good, but it does seem like this offense is starting to feel or at least talk kind of more like what Jeff talks about on Mondays with us. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, do we want to hit on? Was there anything else recruiting-wise we wanted to hit on before we go full-on? Nigel Smith, or do we want to wait yeah, later? Yeah, I think so. We can preview yeah, it towards the end, or we can do it now. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Friday, Oklahoma finds out the verdict with uh, – you know, top 100 defensive lineman, Nigel Smith, one of their key targets for a couple of years now. This was a guy that Oklahoma almost immediately upon Brent Venable's arrival knew he was going to be a focus and has worked really hard to to get him in the boat. I mean, you're talking about a kid that took a lot of official visits, Ohio State, Penn State, um, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, didn't end up visiting Texas, uh, Texas A&M. So he has, you know... Oh, if Oklahoma can close this deal, which I, I expect they will, that, that's my current prediction and has been for a while, um, that's a huge win. I mean, it's, it's a statement of them kind of continuing this defensive line momentum, which they've been tracking for. I mean, they've been trying to find some footing, and it feels like with David Stone on board, and I'm not saying these things are all related, but it does feel like Oklahoma is starting to trend in the right direction with that defensive line room with Jaden Jackson, Wyatt Gilmore. Um, you know, then you add David. And now it looks good with Danny Okoye. They should. Uh, I expect them to land Nigel Smith on Friday, barring some late change. Um, so I, I just think this is uh, again, it's a sign of you know for the people that kind of doubted Miguel Chavis and doubted Todd Bates and were very worried about the defensive line, like they're going to get quality players. Now, they're not going to get everybody. When you're chasing all these elite guys, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, all these other schools, they still exist, man, and they're really, really good too. So it's not going to be easy. You're going to take some tough losses. And again, I mean, who knows? Uh, there is um, – I know I've had some people hit me up after the Clemson debacle with you know stuff about Bryant Wesco. Like, could he come back into play? That kind of stuff. Um, I don't think so. But again, this is guys. Look at look at this time last year. OU was going to get David Hicks. Colton Vosick was committed. Um, you know, you, you can go down the list. Stuff changes. Oklahoma will be fine so long as they handle business on the field. I, that, that is the one thing I can, I, I can say with confidence. They are trending in the right direction, but they have to handle what they control. Josh, you, you mentioned Smith, and because we have known him for like the last couple of years. Has he changed as a player? What position do you see, see him as? Well, what position I see him as and what position <laughs> Nigel sees himself as are a little at odds. Um, I, I think he's a three-technique defensive tackle. He is a... 
He's not squatty at all. Like I don't want people to misunderstand that at all. Nigel's a big, broad kid, probably 6'4", 275. I mean, he's very well put together. And his dad's like 6'7". His dad's enormous. So Nigel may still have some room to grow. So I wouldn't say defensive end is impossible. And I think Nigel Smith can be a perfectly good college defensive end. But it's what I always talk about. What is your best future? And his best future, to me, is being an ultra-athletic interior defensive lineman rather than a good kind of run-stuffing defensive end that's going to be good for six and a half, seven sacks. Maybe uh, maybe a good comparison for Nigel Smith as a defensive end is like a guy like David King, like a good player, clearly a good player. That is nice almost career like, OU. <laughs> that's like the perfect Spot body on. Yeah. Uh, style from what yeah. I've seen Nigel as. Mm-hmm. Just just seeing and, and him at I camps think, and stuff. I haven't seen him in a game. Yeah. Because, like, again, like David, big guy, real strong, long arms. Like, there's a lot to like, but how far can he take it? Now, the difference is David arrived at, like, 240, I want to say, uh, you know, out of high school in Houston. And Nigel's going to show up to Norman. I bet he's 270 if he's a day. Um, so there's not that big gulf. Like you could kind of let it happen. Kind of like what we're seeing with Grayson Halt, like where he's just slowly getting bigger and stronger, more powerful. And you keep that athleticism that he already has. Cause you know, we, we talk about this all the time. You slide. It's, it's something that they've been doing in football for 30 years. Now, a good athlete at defensive end becomes a great athlete at defensive tackle. And that's what I think will eventually happen. But I, I think they've got to convince him that that's the best move for him. It's a lot like Gabe Dindy a couple years ago where Gabe Dindy wouldn't mm-hmm. just wouldn't hear that he was defensive tackle. He shows up to A&M and they move him defensive tackle in about 10 minutes. Like they, you, sometimes you got to kind of work that in. And again, it's a deal where you say, Hey, look, you, you can be a defensive end. We're going to give you that chance and you, you can stay there if that's what you want to do. But your chance to be the best player you can be may be to slide inside. Now that's not saying that, OU has said that to him or made that decision. That's just my expectation of the way it'll play out. It's just amazing to think the last four weeks we've dealt with a top 100 defensive lineman from Williams, Winery, David Stone, Dominic McKinley, and now Nigel Smith. And get 50% of it, that wouldn't be bad. So uh, I guess Danny Okoye has to go next weekend just to keep it hot, <laughs> right? Just to keep the whole thing going? Yes. Tell You need to tell him that, Yes. I, I will pass on that memo. Hey, Danny, Danny, we've got a streak going in OU recruiting. You need to change your life now. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I don't think, um, Bob, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we're really missing. Um, you know, like, this weekend I don't think is going to be – it certainly won't be as big with a, un, uh, official visitors that aren't committed. I'm not expecting any uncommitted players in for officials. Um, but, you know, you're going to have some good ones. Uh, Jalen Beckley uh, kind of made a late change. He was expecting to show up in a few weeks. A uh, kid that picked up his offer during OU's camp this summer. Lamont Rogers, the big-time guy from Mesquite Horn, probably a top 50 overall player in the country. He'll be on campus. Um, and, uh, you know, got Christian Thatcher coming back, a uh, linebacker from uh, Las Vegas that I know Oklahoma likes a lot. You know, I don't know if if Brent Venables is trying to bring back memories of Ryan Reynolds or what that is, but um, <laughs> right. you know, we'll see. Well, and don't you think, Josh? I mean, you've got all these guys that are—I I don't know—not locked in, but I mean, and I know Clemson's not really playing the portal game, but you see teams that are having disappointed season, disappointing seasons, 
the portal's got to make it a lot more interesting uh, because not only are you looking at you know the signees you got, but it's like I don't really want to know if I want to say this or not. So <laughs> you you look at a team lose, and all of a sudden it's like ah. We could maybe use somebody like that. I mean, well, you think Lincoln Riley's not going to be doing that? You're (laughs) crazy. You start, what? It was his 40th birthday. Can we give the guy a break? (laughs) Um, But no, I I just, I wonder, you know, how that's going to look. Because we were talking to someone the other day, and uh, he he covers a school that's known for, you know, a lot of transfers. And, like, I I was walking past the other room, and it was almost like, so hey, how's this kid doing? Is he struggling still? Like, do you think he might want to come back? You know, and in, in, in transfer, like it's like everybody's kind of got their feelers out trying to figure out who's poachable or not. Oh yeah, because I mean, guys, uh, while coaches can't talk with players, man, you've got uncles and cousins, and you know the uh, the handlers, however you want to call them, they're out there making phone calls right now. Like they, uh, I, I can tell you that there, you know, there used to be times when I would say, I don't know why OU is not working harder at defensive tackle. And like, it would be like, okay, I don't know why that they aren't now. If they don't, you're like, they've heard somebody's coming through the portal. They got a chance at like, mm-hmm. I mean, like th- there is a reason for that hesitation that you can believe in. And well, I saw um, something today where you know a, a coach was talking about you know this is really hurting freshmen. This is hurting guys that are getting recruited, uh, and it's not really hurting the big names, but it's hurting the three star. I mean, it's hurting the guy, the evaluated guy that maybe some guys like, but he only has you know group of five offers. Like that's who it's really hurting, isn't it? Well. I think it depends on how you want to look at it because the kid, okay, that maybe would have signed for, let's say, Oklahoma State, the the three-star that was going to go to OSU, well, instead he ends up at Tulsa. And instead of setting the bench for two years at Oklahoma State, he's a two-year starter at Tulsa and then goes and makes his move to OSU or OU or wherever the hell he wants to go. And he's got some tape that people can watch and they can dig into. And, you know, so I, I think it's one of those things where, People always say that, but they lose like the number of players that are on college scholar or on scholarship at these schools hasn't changed. Like it's still a it's a um, what is a net zero. Like I mean, there, there's there's no change in the numbers, so it just moves differently. So the kid, the the three star kid, takes a spot from a guy that goes takes Troy Everett's spot. He leaves Appalachian State and comes to Oklahoma. Well, the kid that was going to go to Oklahoma goes to Appy State, starts for a couple of years, and then he goes to North Carolina or OU or wherever he's going to go. So I think it's harder. To me, the, the schools that it's hardest on are the G5 because they know if they get a really elite player. I mean, we used to see like guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Byron Leftwich and all that kind of stuff at the G5. Those guys are going to go make big bucks at, at Power Fives now. I mean, like, well, look at them. Sam Hartman. He left the ACC school to go make real money in in the in the power. Uh, well, you know what that requires that that requires a lot of foresight, a lot of valuation, and a lot of vision, Eddie. It does indeed, and you know, I don't know if well, you don't have to have like a major in ideal deal because of the, my friends over at Enjoy Vision. It is the best. Uh, Laser Vision Center in Oklahoma City, not even close. I don't think I can read today. <laughs> I think you're proving that, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. 
combination of mind-blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care was life-changing for me. What they're doing for the U40 listener is they're offering $400 off LASIK. All you got to do is go to enjoywithme.com. That is the letter N, J-O-Y, withme.com, and use promo code U40 if you're interested in getting LASIK. That is $400 off. Enjoy vision. This is where you LASIK. I think it's okay that you can't read it. Apparently, I'm, I'm going through reverse uh, puberty because my voice is getting lower and I can't hit high notes anymore. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, anyway, um, okay, let's get into a little bit of what we've seen on the field. I mean, obviously, we're talking uh, portal transfers. Uh, it, the big discussion got started, and, and Brent was asked about this. You guys talked about this on your YouTube uh, um, uh, show yesterday. Uh, and by the way, Sooner Scoop, or YouTube, YouTube.com slash Sooner Scoop. Go subscribe, like, tell your friends. Uh, it's a, it's one of the fastest-growing channels out there right now, I think. Um, but yeah, we appreciate everybody. We're, we're well over 10,000 uh, subscribers now to the channel, so we continue to grow. It's because we're doing really good content, so come check it out uh, and be a part of that. Uh, and by the way, the score cell hit big for OU fans. Um, DeadSoxy.com. Uh, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. It's not 73% off. They capped it at 40% off. Uh, but now is the time to go and load up on Dead Soxy. Uh, use that promo code SCOOP, and it's going to get you 40% off your entire order, uh, only up until kickoff of the SMU game. So uh, if you listen to this pod you know, on a Thursday, driving up on Saturday, know that you have to get to the website and get your order in with that promo SCOOP. So you can get 40% off your Dead Soxy offer. So thanks to Dead Soxy for doing that for us. And uh, thanks to Oklahoma for scoring 73 points to get you 40% off. That's Z-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. And as always, stay Soxy. Okay. um, Yeah, I mean, the Clemson thing, it brought up a lot of interesting discussions, especially on the heels of Deion Sanders uh, beating TCU. And I finally got a chance to kind of watch that TCU game uh, a little bit. And it, you know, I mean, yes, their defense was terrible, but I don't think it means TCU's trash now. Baylor losing as they did and losing Blake Shapin, yeah. I mean, that's a killer for them. Like, that's another program, Josh. I don't know how well they were recruiting, but you got to think people are, like, lining up to take Dave Aranda's players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, guys, d- does it feel like something's wrong at Baylor? Like, I don't I – don't, there, there's no reason for Baylor to look that bad defensively. And I know Aranda made the change uh, with the defensive coordinator from the guy, you know, the Roberts guy that he'd known forever. Uh, so I, I don't know if there's like bad vibes or something. Like I can't figure Did, it like, out. Matt the, Rule's players all just disappear overnight? Yeah. I mean, they would we, have. I mean, we I watched a little bit of that game while we were working mm-hmm. on Saturday night. Texas State looked faster often, with offensive skill players than uh, Baylor. Like Baylor looked like a team that was moving in mud. Ah, uh, yeah. Like I said, it, it, it's I don't know. Something feels off there because I like the I like I love Jeff Grimes. That offense looked out of order. I love Jeff. Grimes, the whole yeah. change. Yeah the the whole change from um, you know, and I know it's a year gone by now, but from Jerry Bohannon to Blake Shapin does not seem like that's mm-hmm. been a choice that's nope. worked out very well. I mean that. I don't know. Like it, it just, I, and and you wonder, like, did that start the problem? Like, you benched this guy who'd won us a Big Twelve title, something that Baylor doesn't do a lot, and you put in this young guy who I get again if he goes and sets the world on fire, okay, fine, but that clearly hasn't happened. 
I do think that it's going to be super interesting going into this week, uh, particularly with a Baylor uh, hosting Utah on Saturday, and then you know the Tech thing Saturday night, late the night Oregon. was just a complete disaster. Oh, up the in, Wyoming thing up in out. Laramie, yeah. but this week with Oregon no, after the they Ducks, score eighty one, yep. <laughs> I I think that Tech quote unquote bounces back and it it doesn't get like just run out of the stadium like a lot of people think mm-hmm. they will. Same thing. I don't know if I'm ready to say this out loud yet, but same thing with Nebraska. I think they're going to give Colorado everything that they want. Uh, and we'll see how some of these teams adjust from week one to week two. But it was that was a really disappointing start for, you know, what is going to be left of the Big 12. Uh, even BYU, I mean, they scored like 14, 14 I think. 14, that's nothing it. On yeah, 14, State. nothing. It was just, Houston. it was so weird gross. watching Matt Rule during that Minnesota-Nebraska game because – I, I, mean, I feel last, bad for the last people. time I saw him. I don't feel bad for Butch Jones. I feel bad for Matt Rule. Uh, the last time we saw Matt Rule, he was Baylor's coach. Uh, you know, very confident on top of the world. Uh, and I, I got to say, I didn't see a lot of Carolina football because it's hard to see Carolina football when you're you, unless you have like the the Direct TV package, which is now YouTube. I, I know people have heard the ads on the podcast, um, but like. To see Matt Rule have that befuddled look on his face like he did in the fourth quarter coaching Nebraska, I was like, did he, man, he just figured out what he signed up for. Like, he figured out, like, he just, he's the coach of a cursed program now, apparently. Is Casey Thompson that much worse than Sims? No, I don't think so. <laughs> that feels like another. Like, Sims was, type I mean, of he made terrible decisions. Like, Casey Thompson, I don't think he might have made some throws that, you know, were not questionable, but like, you know, he might have thrown into dip bad situations, but Sims just like he makes terrible throws. Nebraska and Clemson, and I would imagine Baylor to a certain extent, all learned a tough lesson over the weekend that uh, you just can't turn the ball over, and especially late in games. I mean, Clemson, what they did was unbelievable. It's kind of crazy. I, I, to got, not punt, to not punt, and to not, <laughs> you know, what, what was the other. They never punted, but they never scored. Or yeah, correct. They, yeah. they didn't second punt in the game in yep. the second half. It the I was really disappointed with Clay Kubin, uh, Cade Klubinick. I thought that he was going to set up to have a really good year, but you know, I, I think that that's probably been rehashed here over the last couple of days since the end of that game. They don't have anybody on the outside that can go make a play. That there, that's the shocking thing. And I and I heard, um, I think it was Josh Pate saying the same yep. thing. Like, where is Clemson special? Like, yeah. where do they have guys that are playmakers? I couldn't agree more. Like, Will Shipley is a really good player. I I, I can get there. Who who else? Like, who else excites you or definitely tells you anything? Because, I mean, guys, Clemson got manhandled in the trenches. Yeah. Like, I never thought in a million years I'd say that sentence against Duke. As bad as Clemson was Monday night, I kind of walked away pretty impressed with Duke. I mean, I, I Riley Leonard's a guy that I think a lot of people in college football are excited about, but... Up front, I, if they can run the ball like that, Duke could make a little noise. And all of a sudden, I'm kind of interested in seeing what Duke and Florida State do on October 21st. I, I, Duke I felt plays like, Notre Dame, too. I felt like Duke broke Clemson more than they dominated physically. Like mm-hmm. I felt like at the start, of ha- after halftime, remember the Florida State-LSU game? Like Florida State came out, they went, went with some heavy sets in the run game and just started running the ball down LSU's throw. And it was bizarre because you never see that happen to LSU. Uh, and they just got physically dominated by Florida State. 
And I started to think that that was the same thing that was going to happen with Clemson. But you turn the ball over twice yeah. inside the 10-yard line. It doesn't matter how much you stuff the ball down their throat. As bad as everybody wanted. And, you know, Klubinick was not good. They missed on a lot Clemson of stuff. Clemson should have won that they game. They should have won the game. They should have like, won everybody's game. ready to bury Clemson. But they still had over 400 yards of offense, which was kind of obscene considering how badly they got beat. Like it, well, yeah, it just, I mean, it just fell. It went off the rails. Like yeah. they should have been beaten that bad. And the, I mean, they just quit though. I mean, they just Duke just caught them, you know, off guard a little bit with a run here and there, and then it just it it snowballed on them. And just think like what a Keon Coleman could do for Clemson. Oh man, Keon Coleman! I sat there watching oh. him and uh, Trey Bradford breaks off that big run at the beginning of the game. I was like, oh boy. Well, guys, and I come nice. out of this first real week, and to me. Florida State and Notre Dame are the two biggest teams. I'm like, those are possible playoff teams more than anyone. And, and I'm not talking about Michigan or you know Georgia or Alabama. I'm talking about the ones that you know we don't really think of, and we, we weren't really a lot of people weren't penciling those guys into a, a, a four team playoff. But to me, Notre Dame and Florida State were by far the most impressive. It's definitely not going to be popular on this podcast, but I guess you walk out of week two and you could probably say the same thing for uh, Texas if they go down to Tuscaloosa. Oh. Doesn't I mean, yeah. we'll see. I mean, we'll yeah. see. I, I think that there's a lot of people that looked you at the score. You got to beat Rice by a lot more than they did. Well, that's what to. I was going to say. Is like there's going to be a lot of people that look at the way that they played against Rice and think, oh, Alabama's just going to beat them by you know two touchdowns because it's Alabama, and rightfully so. It could very well happen. I still don't. I still don't know if Quinn Ewers is the quarterback that can lead them there. Did we talk about it on the uh, post game mm-hmm. podcast? The numbers that were floating out there on Quinn Ewers' last. I think it was like. 35 or maybe it was 27 throws of 30 or more. He's like three for 24 or it it was a mind blowing number. Guys. I mean, you look at him um, in that first quarter of the Alabama game last year. And it was like, holy shit, this guy is unbelievable. If he stay, if he doesn't get hurt, they might win the game the way that that was going in the first half. Like, I think they might've won by 10. Like, I mean, Bama was stymied defense and that, that's the only thing that scares me this week if I'm Bama is clearly even with Bryce Young, Bama struggled to move the ball consistently. I mean, because one of their touchdowns was just Jace McGlellan popped. They and it was really the only big play like that they had all day uh for Alabama's offense. But when you look at this game and you look at the way Quinn Ewers has played really ever since he returned from that injury. I mean, it's on the table that Alabama beats the brakes off Texas. Like, I think that's a very real possibility. You think because I, I'm not sold on that Texas offensive line yet. I'm just not. You think, uh, you think Alabama's going back and looking at Lincoln Riley's year with Jalen Hurts with Jacob Milrow and saying maybe we should do some of that. He'd be really smart to. I mean, again. We know Saban's famous for you're going to run the Alabama offense, and you know even the OCs that come in, even guys that are established like Reese, are like, well, you're going to run what we run, and you can learn our terminology, and then you call it however you want to from there. So I don't know how willing they are to take outside ideas, even though <laughs> the crazy thing is the whole offense was built on outside ideas when when Kiffin kind of famously went around the country and picking up ideas from everybody. So, um, I like I said, I. There's a there's a very real world where Texas wins this game. Like I, I'm not trying to say that that you know not trying to be the homer guy that Texas Texas can win this game. I just 
I've got to see a different Quinn Ewers than we've seen for over a year now. By the way, hopefully that was my worst mistake instead of Jalen Milrow. I said Jacob. Um, I wish it was big noon kickoff because we're not we're not gonna be able to. Yeah, see it. I know. Um, well, DVR um, sometimes worse. Uh, no, but I mean, this game proves one. Th- I mean, it proves two things. It proves whether Texas is a legitimate college football playoff contender, and it proves is Alabama. Well, I don't think it will prove Alabama is fully back, but it can prove that they're not continuing to fall off in comparison to Georgia. I'm going to step out on a limb and say that uh, Nick Saban's program is going to be just fine. (laughs) (laughs) The the thing is, and I, you know, I've heard our, our guy Andy Staples on three say this several times, but like if they go out and win this game, the way I think they want to win this game, there's a very real Alabama war machine kind of thing. Yeah. Like, oh God, like they're just going to line up and beat you and just punch you in the mouth for four quarters because they've got the offensive line and defensive line to do it. Um, uh, the the Caden Proctor kid, the the like I, I remember seeing him last year at San Antonio uh, at the All American Bowl, and you were like, holy crap, that's a high school kid from Iowa. And then you see the pictures of him now, and you're like, he's a mutant. Like, that's not th- – those people don't exist in real life. I mean, he is a 19-year-old that's six seven three twenty and looks athletic. Like, it's just it's just bizarre. And they've got – you know, the Tyler Booker kid's an outstanding guard. Um, uh, to me, like I said, it's just if Alabama can go and dominate that game, keep guys like Xavier Worthy and JT Sanders away from the ball. You know what's great about this discussion is, is – it's it's you know we went to Nashville, um, you know you got to meet some of the guys involved in the in the media biz that cover you know the SEC all the time. This is this is a preemptive SEC media whirlwind game because I don't know if you guys heard all the stuff that uh, Mike Bratton from that SEC podcast did. Like he's picked Alabama to finish third in the West. So like if if Alabama looks good in this game. SEC Mike is in some trouble, credibility wise, and I'm sure I'm sure they, Feinbaum's going to have him on every five. They minutes. love the it, preseason poll, yeah. Just in general, it feels like the SEC folks just they love a good preseason poll. Preseason hype. Eddie, pre-season. are you ready to embrace it? No, I, I, know I will that's not. not always your favorite. Time. I will not be doing that. <laughs> I like I think, to watch the games. Uh, I'm pretty unfold. sure George filled out. Did he fill out a SEC? Pope? No, I think he claimed that he was, but didn't. Yeah, like I think he thought about it and then decided he shouldn't or something like that. You know, Lucci. Just, just journalistic oh, yeah. credibility at Sooner Scoop. Did you ask Lucci if he did? We just uh, assumed he did. No, I, I didn't ask him, but I'm sure that he did. You know he did. You know what team had 37 <laughs> players on it? Vanderbilt. <laughs> 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 oh, the fighting Barton Simmons. Uh, if we must, we can talk about OU. Forty six in. We should and probably talk I'm about sure OU that I'll just put on the. Uh, I'll just put in the uh, the rundown. You can start listening here. <laughs> you, well, you, and you that's can the, hate listen. For that's about ten minutes, and guys. That's the problem. It was just such, a, and we've we've had the post game pod. I mean, yeah. uh, it was such a dominating performance. We're all you know moving on and looking toward. SMU and and Brent clearly was. Oh man, his, how his fast he was going. Press conference <laughs> yesterday. It was that was a uh, you know 
that was like a uh, what do they call that big line of people that you hurry up and get through um that was what it was he was like question okay what's your next question here's here's your here's your, here's a quick answer next question like it was so business-like yesterday you can tell that he is hyper focused on smu this week and, and talking to the players um it's kind of you know it, it hasn't been like that but you can tell very until we talked to Kenai walker yesterday there was nobody that was like man i can't believe we played that well like he he was like it took me a couple of days and he was talking about the turnover that he he created and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean I think everybody's just like they know bigger things are on the horizon and that sure. starts this week. Well, and I think that you know it's something that we've talked about, Bob, uh, off air. Just as far as as good as Oklahoma played against Arkansas State, there were guys running wide open yep. at times. And I think that you look at what SMU and we're going to run the uh, interview that we did with Billy Embody that covers SMU. Uh, on Thursday during the preview show on YouTube. This is an offense that SMU side of things feels like can be pretty damn good with Preston Stone. They got a lot of names that OU fans will know. Jordan Jordan Hudson, Jalen Knighton, LJ Johnson. You know who these guys are and what they bring to the table. There are a number of guys that, uh, you know, if shades of what Oklahoma defense, quote-unquote, used to be or what I think everybody hopes used to be, uh, if that returns... I'm not saying that SMU is going to come in and you're going to look up in the fourth quarter and it's going to be a really good game, but I think that they could move the ball enough that makes you a little bit concerned moving forward. Bumble. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, there's is there like an entire generation of OU fans that have no idea that OU OU used to play defense? I mean, maybe not a generation, but maybe, a, you know, I would imagine that the. You know the high schooler right now, high school yeah. recruits, yeah, not very familiar with <laughs> OU playing really good defense. Yeah, I mean, you have to go back to like 2010. I mean, guys, yeah, I mean, this year's senior class was like four the last time Oklahoma was functional on defense. Sure, I mean, but consistently. At the same time, I do think that you know there were guys running wide open, but I think the positives against Arkansas State outweighed the negatives in terms of Kip Lewis. Seems like he's going to be a guy. Uh, How was I was to talk to you yesterday. I didn't get over I, there. By Bob him. talked to him. He he was okay. I was hoping he would dig in a little bit more about being the undersized guy in the middle that's still making it work. But he's kind of saying I'm I'm putting on the weight, but I want to do it, you know the right way so that I don't blow he up. He got the frame. I mean, definitely. Like you see him up close and personal. It's like okay, he he's not a shrimp. Like mm-hmm. he's you can tell he's going to get there. It's just how long is it going to take? It's already his second year in the program, and you look at someone like a Kobe McKenzie or Jaron Canick, you're like, okay, that's what a guy in the middle is supposed to look like. But, I mean, he's great instincts. He was, you know, the four games that he played last year, the one he started off Saturday, you know that's what he brings to the table. From where this thing is coming from, I don't care what size they I, – I care what size they are, but – I almost don't care what size they are as long as they know how to get to the football as fast as possible. And it seems like they have somewhat – a good number of guys and a good number of newcomers, young guys on this defense that get that. I'm marking my territory here. There'll be no Kip Lewis slander on my watch. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing it. I'll have no part in it. So I am Look, all I've aboard the Kip those, Lewis bandwagon. I watch those high school games. I want no part of him being mad at me. What is, yeah. <laughs> what is your idea, Josh, on some some of the stuff that's been floated out there? Like, Would you be surprised if we looked up, and I think Teddy threw this out there, uh, that all of a sudden Danny Stutzman's starting at Mike and Kip's starting at 
will. will. I, I could absolutely buy that. And I, I don't think it's any relation to Jaron not playing well. I thought Jaron was fine. Um, I just think there is um, Kip Lewis, kind of kind like I talk about with Desan McCullough, who I, this is going to be a side topic for later. we got to talk about the Desan McCullough pronunciation that is happening all throughout this pod. McCullough and versus McCullough. YouTube channels. If for some reason, it's become McCulloch. And I don't. I've never I, I don't know why. Like I've, that in my life. that seems very directed, Josh. <laughs> Bye. Uh, we will direct it to George, you. Well, it's McCullough. George doing it now. Like I've heard George say it multiple times. I'm like, I, Eddie, with you, I've stopped even trying. You, okay, you're, that's good. You're going to do you. But George is a details guy. Yeah, and I, like I, I think it's just he's spending time with he's spending too much time with Eddie, and it's rubbing off negatively. So I'm concerned. Um, but no. Like the song, like Kip Lewis is one of those guys that's just around the football, man. Like he just has a great nose for it. And Kerry mentioned he's done this since high school. I mean, he really is just a guy that, you know, we talk about instincts and how he sees it. And I don't care where he's at on the field. He's a guy that if he can do the basic things I need him to do, you know, assignment wise, I want him on the field because he's going to make my defense better. And by the way, I remember, I mean, the, the one thing I'd give to Kip Lewis about size is I remember going and covering Alabama when C.J. Mosley was there and thinking to myself, like, that, like we're talking like, this was before Reuben Foster, but I just remember seeing him and being like, that's the guy that everybody's talking about that's, you know, the best linebacker in the country because he wasn't very big. Like, he just looked like a normal dude, and... And I was like, well, he's on Alabama. He's got to be pretty good. Or maybe everybody else is covering up for him. But you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to look like the boss to be a great linebacker. I mean, it, like C.J. Mosley was the guy to me that proved that. Yeah, I mean, guys, look at OU's best pass rusher of the last decade. Mm-hmm. Eric Stryker. Yep. Like, I mean, like, sometimes a football player is just a football player. And that's, that. you know, and I... I had plenty of doubts about Stryker and thought there was not enough credit given to some of his downside, but you're not asking Kip Lewis to be the defensive end. I mean, you're just asking him to play in space, and that's, you know, I I, I can, uh, I feel, again, we'll see. I mean, right now, he's made some good plays, and, that, you know, I'm obviously excited about his potential, but I think we, we've got to see him play more and sure. kind of see the warts too, you know, see what, what bad comes of it. Other uh, outside of, uh, you know, everything else on either side of the ball doing Monday morning idiot. Did anything stick out to you that maybe we didn't talk about uh, on the Eskridge Alexis post game podcast? Trying to think of anything that really caught my attention. Um, I would say, uh, Probably, and again, it's not any surprise. The first thing that comes to mind is is Caden Green. I thought Caden Green really mm-hmm. had a nice day. Um, had a few blocks where he just buried some guys. The one that everybody saw was the one, um, and I mean, it was kind of, I don't know that he buried him. They, the, both guys just kind of went down. It was the one on um, the Marcus Major touchdown that ended up getting called back on Tyler Guyton's uh, uh, holding. But Caden Green and that guy are, you know, behind the end zone getting into it. So, You'd heard, and I know it's something Gabe had talked about, was you know they wanted him to be more physical, a little more aggressive. And I think he took that message to heart. I mean, that, that he looked um, 
like a guy that was ready to mix it up and get out there and kind of get after some guys. And I also thought Troy Everett played really well. I thought he had some good moments. It's pretty clear right now those are probably the guys they see as their top two reserves. I I was going to ask you about negative. that. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just I was going to ask you about that. Like I, I don't know. I guess I was a little bit surprised to look up in the middle of the first or uh, second quarter. Yeah, you got and Troy Jake Everett's Taylor, out there. Troy Everett, Jake Taylor's out Kane there. Green. Yep. And I, you know. With the way that the game was going, I think that they wanted to get some guys some run. But, uh, you know, even Nate Anderson being out there in that second mm-hmm. unit, I know that he'd uh, run at guard throughout the uh, scrimmages. But I guess I was a little bit surprised by that. I don't know. Nate Nate actually had some decent moments. Um, it's, you know, obviously, I think the most extensive we'd seen him play uh, the most amount of time. Um, I thought he had some really good moments. Uh, the – there was – oh – Jake Taylor, who you know we all know has been a favorite of mine for a long time and a guy that I think is really going to be a good player, I still think he's a guard. I, I think at tackle sometimes he struggles with quickness. Um, I thought at a few times he kind of got – he was out in space and just didn't look very comfortable. Um, but, uh, again, like I still think, you know, looking at this offensive line, guys, we got some, you know, late, late in the game. You saw some Logan Howland, some Heath Ozida. I mean, you saw really as they got deeper down into that – that group, and I was talking to um, Owen Hollenbeck, uh, the 2025 offensive lineman from Melissa, that's Nigel Smith's teammate, and he was talking about how much he enjoyed watching the third string get out there and even was moving some people around. So they, um, they, they uh, again, they, they unloaded the clip, man. Everybody that – it was very much all players. hands on deck, as we all know. That has to be the most players that he's played in a game in 20 years. And – and that's how you build depth. I mean, like that, they, that, I think that's what hurt them so much last year when injuries started to come along or, you know, guys were, for whatever reason, weren't available. They just, they didn't have that time, you know, where like we've seen OU so many years just bomb people out of the stadium and their backups got some time. But I think it was pretty clear they were going to seize that opportunity and run everybody out there. And to do that and still, maintain your shutout yeah. do all the other mm-hmm. things you wanted to do i thought was a really good sign for the you know the depth of the roster there's that, been a lot of talk about that just within some of the uh monday tuesday interviews that we did i know can talked about it last night how excited everybody was that they were able to hold on to the shutout i mean i've seen that thing where they've played really good for three quarters and then all of a sudden the drop off is just right. massive and you know i arkansas state i think played a little part of that but <laughs> Who was that player you referenced just now? Can I walk? Oh, there it is. Forced fumble. You're never going to be uh, Kayla, mispronounced he, Caleb again. Caleb Kelly did. Just you ripped it right, right away. I will say, like, just talking to Can I, that was the first time that I think we've been uh-huh. truly up close to yeah. him. Very he's, impressive. He's kind of like he, a Gentry Williams. Gentry hurt so much. Yeah. You know, so we never knew what he could actually do. And maybe now we'll actually get to see it, but he was so different. When they brought him in from the portal from any other corner that was on their roster at at uh, at the time, and we'll see what hey, that, I was going to we'll, ask you with with being around everybody the last couple of days, getting to talk to people. What what's the general temperature on SMU? Like I I watch them. And I, I I've got to think it helps the staff a little bit that SMU just went out there and just kicked the shit out of Louisiana Tech for the first half on Saturday. I'd say the one word that comes to mind is just respect. They really respect. They respect that this team could beat them. And, and like, Kanai was talking about it last night. Like, th- this summer, they had a lot of talk about 
uh, you know, the way the season went last year, the, the they coming out of the Nebraska game thinking that uh, they are, you know, on top of the world, and then the way the rest of the season went, like they want to prevent that from happening. So they're not, they're. I I really did believe him when he said, you know, we're not overlooking anything. There's such a feeling right now, and talking to all the players uh, after the game, talking to players on Monday and Tuesday, it's. It's so easy to say it, but it just feels like culturally this thing is so far along from what it was, I don't know, a year ago for sure. Uh, but, you know, like three years ago, it's not even, to steal a phrase from Brent Venable, it's not even on the same planet. Yeah, and they can go another hot Saturday without someone cramping. I mean, that's just a credit to what they've been able to do in the summer and conditioning. I mean, I thought... I don't know what those Arkansas State injuries actually were, but man, it slowed that game down considerably. Felt like every other play, one of their guys was going down, and oh, the Sooners had no issues at all in that type of in uh, in uh, in environment. In, yeah, environment. I'll say it. I'll get it. I'll <laughs> there, get it. There was. Uh, I don't know, and and we'll see. I I think that everybody around there feels pretty optimistic about the defense. I know that you talk to the players and. Uh, you know, they kind of what Kerry said, they don't want a repeat of last year. It does feel like it's in a better spot, but Saturday's going to be a pretty good test. Like, I, I don't think anybody's going to be crowned per se after the game on Saturday night, but I do think if you go out there and you shut down, which is going to be a pretty good offense for SMU, uh, you can kind of take that next step. Everything's going to be incremental. I'm not going to completely buy in until, you know, they do it repeatedly, but. Saturday was the the first opportunity and successful. I'm going to throw one more thing out to Josh because we've heard it all all week about the pass rush. Oh, there's no way they could really get it going with how Arkansas State was trying to do things. Watching, doing the idiot again. You, is the is it overblown about the pass rush or is it a legitimate concern? I think it's a legitimate concern. I mean, and I again, I I think it it's absolutely something that can be okay. I didn't see anything that said, well, if, if this was just, you know, if he was in a deeper drop or if they're running longer routes, like that are, it's all going to be squared away and fine. I, I can hear that argument. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I don't think anyone could come away with a concrete feeling of what was happening. Um, Cause the only guy that I thought was consistent in his pressure was Rondell Bothroyd. Right. I thought he did a nice job. He came around the edge a couple of times. And I think, if not for those three set drops, yeah, he probably has a couple sacks. Like, I think he was very close on a couple of occasions. Um, now, what I did like a little bit more seeing the second go around, I thought there was better pressure up the middle than I remembered. Uh, guys like Isaiah Coe, I thought, got some push. DJ Terry got some push. Um, but around the edges, I really didn't see a lot. Um, you know, like Bothroy, there wasn't as much. And I know Ethan Downs had a sack and really he had one that he almost tracked down the quarterback again later in, uh, earlier in the game where he'd come all the way across the field. I, guys, that was something and I, I talked about it in the idiot. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Him. He looks a little lighter. He looks a little more explosive and more like the guy that I remember in high school. And I'm wondering if all that weight he put on, which we kind of thought was leading to him, maybe moving inside last year, that obviously didn't happen. Like, I feel like a little bit of that came off and maybe, maybe he's a little better as a defensive end for it. 
Um, how, what, are, what are your thoughts on running backs after seeing what you saw? Um, you know, I, I guess it's I mean, just I, I don't know if George wants depth. to come in here and, you know, just kill me about Tawee Walker, but... <laughs> I, no, you even some of the game tape that just the stuff that I shot, Javante Barnes has a little bit more of a, I guess, presence, presence? about there him. Like taking the same thing, and and maybe it's because we've seen it before and we're just not as familiar with Tawi. But you know, I I think there was some of the stuff that you went over in uh, the Monday Morning Idiot that they probably bust it if. They're just a little bit more patient, and I think that that stuff will come with time and learning how to run behind a, an offensive line. Uh, you know, this particular set starting group of the offensive line. I don't know. I I thought that they ran the ball pretty well, though. It just like I just being down on the field. I was super impressed with how hard Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hicks ran the ball, and I know that Guys, they're probably I, like at the end of the day, nobody gets injured, Josh probably not going to be a big part of the offense once you get to conference play. But, God damn, they look good. I I really liked what I saw in Caleb Hicks. And then going back in the second viewing, like I under, I remember hearing all that buzz back in the spring. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy's, this guy's going to push the starters. Like, he's that good. And obviously, I, I don't know if it was an injury. Something clearly slowed him up for him to come into the game as late as he did. Um, but there's there's stuff to like there. I mean, there's a lot more suddenness than I remember seeing in high school. I don't know if they they took a little weight off of him. I don't know if they'd found something with his feet. But I mean, like I, I watched this kid up close in high school. Like I didn't see this, and so to see him doing some of the stuff he's doing, I, it it impresses me. I mean, it's a clearly a a guy they evaled as a player that they could do more with than than they even had to date. So um, I liked him. Dalen Smothers reminds me of somebody, and I can't put my finger on who it is. Like the the quick spins and how like kind of light footed he is. Like I, I <laughs> there's a part of me, and it's I think it's the number, but I'm like there's a little Demarco in there. Like there's a little to that game where he's so elusive, even like. Because I thought that was what was so amazing about DeMarco. DeMarco could be surrounded by three guys, and he's still spinning and juking and, like, doing that. And like, just like, oh, I'm going to get the yards I can get and go on. Like, he still was always – and Smothers is that same way. Smothers will be spinning while somebody's wrapped him up in a tackle. And you're like, you don't have to do that, man. So there's just a lot of kind of frenetic energy in the way he runs. I uh, want to remind you guys, uh, primeshrimp.com, P-R-I-M-E, shrimp.com. Go check them out. Use the promo code U40 to get 25% off your entire order of $50 or more. Uh, they ship it straight to you, frozen. And all you have to do is uh, boil some water, uh, throw one of the pouches in, and in less than 10 minutes, you're going to have a restaurant-quality meal. Uh, you can choose from a variety of different flavors. If you're more into the Cajun Louisiana shrimp boil, uh, they have that, the French Quarter Alfredo. Uh, you want something uh, that's a little bit more lighter. Uh, you you have a lot of options there as well, uh, like the uh, lemon and cracked pepper. Uh, uh, I don't know, shrimp. <laughs> the garlic. I mean, that's what it is. It's shrimp. Uh, the garlic or butter shrimp. I was thinking that had some other name. Um, anyway, uh, you can get uh, the uh, unseasoned Simply Shrimp, too, if you want to just uh, thaw it out and do it on the grill. 
Uh, but uh, gluten-free options, keto, is it keto-friendly? I always get in trouble for bringing that word up. Uh, and uh, Whole30-friendly options. So go check them out, uh, primeshrimp.com. Don't uh, worry about paying those uh, DoorDash or Grubhub fees. Uh, have some shrimp in your fridge. Uh, and remember, get at least $50 worth. Uh, they're about 10 bucks a pack, and you get 25% off your entire order using that promo code U40. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, thanks to Prime Shrimp for always being a great uh, sponsor of the pod. Uh, okay, um, SMU moving forward. Like, Josh, let's start with you. Like, what what do you want to see? I mean, I think the obvious thing is pass rush. Uh, because, and look, I understand that Arkansas State went in there trying to get rid of the ball as fast as they can. And we've seen teams do that over the years against Oklahoma. It's nothing new. Um, but... It also left you with questions. Whether or not you want to say the pass rush is no good and you're concerned, I think what, Josh, you and I were saying like on Twitter is that's the only thing we didn't see. We're not saying they can't rush the passer the rest of the year uh, or it won't develop or you know that Brent's not going to throw some exotic blitzes out there to cover up some of that stuff. But we all know PJ didn't play much. Uh, and he could be a third down specialist you know, here in several weeks. I mean, uh, once he gets fully healthy. Um, but like outside of pass rush, what are the what are the biggest questions you want answered when you see them take on SMU? Yeah, and just to add to your point, our Mason Thomas returning too. Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. it's huge for Oklahoma. And by the way, rush, real quick, so. Eddie, on the injuries, let's get that out there because we didn't mention that. Mm. Yeah, uh, and I know George has asked some about it, but if the answer is there were no answers to the to the to the question to the guys that were. That but it got was out Saturday. We have no update. But we saw but it was we saw good Buck. news. We know Gavin Sawchuck yeah. and our our Mason Thomas. But we saw Drake Stoops out at practice last night. Didn't have a yeah. sling on. He was out there with the team. Uh, we did see Desan McCullough, uh, no, ugh, on the end uh, with a boot on, it, coming off field. And that's been the last two days he's had a boot on. Uh, Brent did say it's not a high ankle sprain, I, and that's the good news yeah. because I think that that's something that. You know, they don't believe those high ankle, ankle they sprains, take forever. They linger, they and then all of a sudden you look up, even, and it's yeah. the second weekend of October, and you don't have one of your big time transfers. And they don't want to the rush field. you out there because you could re injure it, and then it'd be just as bad or not worse than it I was think, before. I think Drake will try to play on Saturday, and I, if it was up to me, I'd just tell Desan like, if you aren't like one hundred and ten percent good. And, you know, how that trickles down to the cheetah position. Do you see right. more of Peyton Pearson Bowen at, Bowen. at cheetah? Mm-hmm. Or do you see more Reggie Pearson? And then that allows Peyton Bowen to get on the field at safety. You know, it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, uh, you know, kind of break all that down or how they play that. But did, I think uh, all Jake, things considered, it was good news. Did Jacob Sexton dress out? No, he did no, not. No, he did not. Nope. Okay. So that probably tells you a little bit. He's a little ways away still. Uh, okay, so anyway, Josh, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to – no, I thought no. about that, and I forgot, and I wanted to get that in before I forgot again. So back to the original question, things that you're hoping to see that are better against SMU. Well, I think, you know, aside from the pass rush, which I think we, we've covered and everybody understands, I want to see this team defend the deep ball. Like, this is something SMU is going to throw at them. They are going to yeah. go vertical. They've got some speed guys outside. Preston Stone likes to work downfield. Um 
I think you're going to get a feel for how good this team is. I thought Woody Washington had a really underrated game uh, against uh, Arkansas State, battered away a couple of balls. He only got credit for one pass breakup. I swore he had two. But, I know. I said in the post game, um, like he did. He had. Yeah. I know he had at least a few or a couple of pass breakups. He defended. Like there's not a defended stat. It's just like if you touch the ball, then it's a pass breakup. But if you're in position and the ball's overthrown, you don't get a peep. He gives me Kerry Cooks flashbacks with him. He turns the last second to find the ball. God, as long turn, as it's not, turn around. Uh, as long as it's not oh, that, TCU not Woody nice Washington. <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh, little, but no, and then, I was going to say he has a lot of gentry. I was going to say, did, did he follow a lot of porn stars on Twitter or something? What's the <laughs> correlation? Anyway, go ahead. Uh, behind the curtain there. Uh, but no, um, uh, like I said, I, I want to see how the safeties deal with it. I think Billy Bowman's going to be really important this week because he's going to be the guy running it back there. He's going to play center field. You know, uh, Peyton Bowen talked about it where there there's going to be some 50-50 balls. And Oklahoma's going to have to be the athletic guys that can make these plays. But, you know, for OU fans, listen, like SMU has guys who can make these plays. Don't Don't mistake it for a second. I mean, Jordan Hudson, like Eddie mentioned early, that guy used to be an OU commitment. He was a guy Lincoln Riley and those guys recruited and wanted and was at TCU last year. So this is a this is a group that has a lot of skill position talent. Um, you know, you you as you look at the overall game, um, one of the things I, I'm kind of interested to see is what Oklahoma's offensive line can do with Louisiana Tech or excuse me with um, SMU's defensive line. Louisiana Tech guys ran for 1.2 yards per carry against SMU's front. Now, I'm not telling you La Tech's got a great offensive line. They don't. It's a. It's bad. It's a. They were – poor Hank Bachmeyer was running for his life. Um, but at the same time, it's clearly a unit good enough to present Oklahoma with a different level of challenge than they saw last week. And I thought the offensive line was good, but it wasn't where it needed to be, in my opinion. I mean, they still got a ways to go. So I'm kind of interested to see – if those big guys can get in there and kind of bully them around a little bit, and they're going to obviously play probably a little more football this week than they did. Maybe the size of that Oklahoma offensive front wears SMU down a little bit through the game. It's not something that I want to see. Well, it's not improved, but almost you want to see the same. Can he do it again? Dylan Gabriel was great on Saturday. Yeah. Take that, Josh. That, that was the best that I've seen him maybe be just in terms of uh, precision and throwing the football. I thought he was excellent. Guys, I'm even annoyed because the national narrative is all like, did you see Jackson Arnold? Yeah, I mean, Jackson Arnold was great, but like Dylan Gabriel was really good. He yeah. Jackson Arnold got to be that great for that long because Dylan Gabriel was outstanding. I mean, is it... Did you get the sense this week like... like Kind of a sore subject for Dylan Gabriel getting pulled at halftime. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I don't. Me and Bob talked about this. He was like, he was in a great mood on Monday. He's in a terrible mood Saturday. Pissed off when we talked about him on on Saturday. (laughs) It's probably because I wasn't over there. That's got to be it. But possibly, I want to see Jaleel Farouk and Austin Sogner show up. Or are we just is Farouk not a number one guy, and that's just the way it's going to have to be. I just don't think that they needed him. Like I, I think it was pretty vanilla, and they just I everything mean, was vanilla. Yeah, everything was vanilla. But it was almost what? like they wanted to. Okay, let's try uh, Andrew Anthony. Okay, that worked. Let's try Jaden Gibson. Okay, that worked. Uh, let, well, you know, did Gavin Freeman have a catch? 
He had a touchdown. Oh, catch. touchdown. Well, yeah, that's, right. that's yeah. not. It's not a touchdown catch. That's not it a was touchdown. Behind the line. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of crazy that Gavin Freeman has yet to catch a football and run with or like down, an actual like any reception further down the field than like five yards. Yeah, with like an actual reception that led to a touchdown. He's had a couple of those uh, reverses and stuff like that, right. and obviously the punt return, but he has yet to have that yet. So that was technically had a the, rush for a touchdown. It, no, technically it was the, a reception. One, is, one okay. of those flips. It was yeah. a pop pass. Yeah, yeah. technically yeah. it was a reception, but come on now, it is what it is. <laughs> it's the stupid pass where if they drop it, it's incompletion. So if, uh, offensive coordinators are like, yeah, let's just, instead of hand it, let's do that because if there's a you know a, a mess up or whatever, so. Um, no, I, I mean, Bob, I, I guess, you know, do you have something to add there as far as what you want to see that you didn't see in week one? Yeah, just Farouk and Stogner. I mean, it's great that you got all these guys involved, but you're going to need these guys with all that experience to start showing up. And, you know, as we've seen what Stogner's done the last two seasons. We want to see the jump as he returned back to OU, or like physically, mentally, he's in a great state of mind. He's he's ready to make this season count. I know Levy said they dialed up a couple things for him, it just didn't pan out. Well, let's let's see if Saturday can be that type of game to where we feel confident that Stog's going to bring it every single time. We talked to Blake Smith yesterday. I didn't. I wasn't around, but I know he spent a lot of time talking to the media and stuff. But uh, I mean. They're going to try. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to keep putting someone out there. And whoever it is that's going to make the plays is, is going to end up kind of becoming that guy for, for Dylan. Sure. Um, I, I think that but no, the, I don't, like I, wide, I, re- wide receiver, though, it was far better that they got Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson going than having to repeatedly feed the ball to somebody like a Jalil Farouk. I agree. I was going to say about the same thing. Like, I'm not worried about Farouk. And uh, I know there's been Farouk slandered on this podcast. I haven't appreciated it. I've, I've kind of slandered Tawi Walker, so, you know, we're all even. Um, but, you know, I, I do want to see Javante Barnes get more carries just to see, as Josh says, can you just avoid tacklers? Is that is that okay in your world? Um, to see maybe if that starts clicking a little bit more. Because I want to see, I want to see Javante Barnes get in the open and see if he can outrun a defense. Because we haven't seen that. I don't even know if we've come close to seeing that, Josh. I mean, there's been a couple of, like, you know, shoestring tackles here and there with him. Well, and the, the most interesting part about all of this is is with all the, the five running backs that they played on Saturday, you're adding another in Gavin, Gavin Sawchuck this yep. week. And here's the Who thing. Who may be the most talented of the bunch. Yeah, here's the thing about that running back room, too. It's, it can be such a change-up from one guy to the next. Like, to go from Tawi Walker to Gavin Sawchuck, who is more of a speed guy, like – even though he was huge in high school, I understand that, Josh. Like, you went and saw him up in Colorado and just, you know, physically dominating. But, like, in college, he's, you know, what we saw from Florida State, he's the guy that sees a hole and, and squirts through it quickly. Like, that could be a really nice changeup. And then, you know, you talk about the freshman Caleb Hicks, Dalen Smothers, whatever. Like, how much of a changeup are they from a Javante Barnes and a Tawi Walker? I'm really going to be interested to see if they get back to kind of, you know, the days that when you know, we had the – it was the backfield with Trey Sermon. Like you had Trey Sermon would come in and kind of be the hammer mm-hmm. to who was the starting to Kennedy Brooks, right? Yeah, Rodney Kennedy Brooks and yeah. Rodney Anderson. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, did you really have Rodney Anderson? Like my God, like <laughs> the best running back that I can't even remember how many full years he had. One. One. 
2017. Oh, that wasn't even a full year because it was really about mid-season when he came on that Kansas State that game Kansas and had State the big game. touchdown. It run. almost killed Bob. I remember that. Yes. Well, Dimitri Flowers almost killed Oh, that was me. Dimitri Flowers. <laughs> but it was the Rodney Anderson touchdown run. And now you only got that shot because who went? Abdul Adams went down. And so that allowed Anderson to finally get some touches. The previous staff took Abdul Adams over Josh Jacobs. Just a fresh <laughs> reminder for everybody. But they offered, though, right? They did offer. They did offer. Uh, okay, so... Before Alabama. By the way, I want to say this. like You know, there was so much stuff about uh, the, the pink out or whatever, and people were asking me about that. Like, it was never an official deal. And I think at first I kind of was like, well, you know, it's, I don't know how Brent would feel about that. Like, his wife is actively fighting cancer. Like, does he want to be reminded of that, like, during the game? But I think, and eventually I was just like, look, guys, just do what you want. Like, I, I would imagine at the end of the day, if he sees pink, it'll be cool. Like, he'll appreciate that you guys were supporting he and his family and his wife. I think that's how it ended up. So, I mean, I'll give a, I, I want to give a kudos to the fans that did that because that was, ended up being a, a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it was it was really cool, and I was almost a little bit surprised how many people ended up wearing pink. See, and I didn't notice it till the game wore on. But like when you were, like when the game was starting, did you notice a lot of yeah. pink? Yeah, quite a bit. It was cool. That was really cool. Lindsay Street was not. No, <laughs> Lindsay Street's a whole nother. Day. And look, I've I kind of put it out there on Twitter. I think it. I think it is going to get better. I really do. It is going to get better, but the university, I'm going to say this, they're making fans jump through hoops that they don't need to jump through. They, they could be making it a lot easier. They could be a lot more welcoming. I mean, for them to be like, we're going to open up Lindsay Street because we're moving to the SEC and we want this atmosphere to be great. We're going to move the Walk of Champions uh, to where they're coming down the tailgate row, basically. Like, if you really want to make a tailgate row, University of Oklahoma, do more. Do more to help these people who... Or actually are, do less. Don't do anything. Don't be as restrictive. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, they could help by you know making that a three-lane road. I mean, I've gone down Lindsay like four or five times now since we found out about this, uh, just going, okay, they could make three lanes out. There's no doubt to me they could make three lanes out of that. They'd have to put up cones and get some effort and maybe spend some money uh, and maybe get some campus security to make sure everything was going smoothly. But you could have a lane where people could stop and drop their stuff off uh, because that has to happen. And, you know, maybe you run a tram like from Lloyd Noble uh, back to the stadium or something for those people. I think they do that anyway, don't they, for people? I don't Pretty know. Sure. They used to. I don't, I don't know if they still yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if they, they do for still, the RV yeah. people or what, but um, there's got to be some help here because this is. It, I talk to people all week. And I get it. Like, tailgating is a lost art for some people. I had some people responding like, well, they don't have power outlets and the Wi-Fi is not very good. That's not what tailgating is. Like, have you been camping? Like, they don't have power outlets out in the wilderness. Like, you have to have a generator and you have to have, like, a satellite. Uh, in order. And some people with satellites did contact me. And they're like, my concern about moving our tailgate to Lindsay is... I don't know if I can get a signal right there in front of the dorms. And, and I think that's something that needs to be figured out. Um, but it's a pain in the ass to do. I mean, Josh, you remember back in the days when Gernanski would run our, 
our, our, our tailgate and everybody's like, well, why don't you guys get it started? I'm like, we just don't have time for that. And the other thing is, it is such an undertaking. You have to have what, you know a couple of people, like that takes over their life. And people are fo- fine with that because it's so fun to do. But the university, university has to realize the people that are doing this, they're, going, they're jumping through a lot of hoops j- just to do it now. Man, I got the hiccups. I'm fighting them off. So when you make it restrictive and you make it difficult, I mean, that was ridiculous. Say 7 a.m. for an 11 a.m. kickoff, there's no way that you're going to set up a tailgate. Well, and just some of the rules that they put in place are just – Like no loud music. I mean, that's – I almost is that a joke? Is that are they playing a bit? Do they know how loud gas generators are? Like, come on! Wait a second. There's no loud music. That's what one of the uh, guidelines is for the uh, Lindsay Street tailgating. No loud music because they don't want to bother the uh, students that live in the dorms, which is it's so mind blowing and almost such a slap in the face that. I don't like. What are you are trying they, to prove? Is then? that like a dorm full of Jason Curseys? Like, I mean, are they not kids? It, it's just ricochet shot. Sorry, Cursey. <laughs> the it's it's so <laughs> outlandish sorry, that it's almost like this idea that when they made the campus dry, that people weren't still going to drink somehow in college. Like, get out of here. That's that's just ridiculous. I do think, but with that said, I do think it's going to get better. I think that there was What's a lot next? of people Outlaw that outlaw Mike Hosty at the deli. I mean, well, then you're talking about there will be riots. It would be like January sixth around here, but it will be. Uh, you don't need. I think it's going to be better. <laughs> it's going to be better. I I hope that it's going to be better, and especially with a somewhat of a late evening kickoff. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, people get down there and have fun on Saturday. It's going to be somewhat of a nice day. I know it's going to be hot, but whatever. They're from the from the Lindsay Street Grand something. Well, I just getting a little I, KKK. I, I've yeah, had don't, call, don't call me a Grand Wizard. <laughs> 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 I, I've had Nick Harris already you to did. lead people out there on the Lindsay Street, Eddie. Like, I mean, I might you, have. You're going to start the revolution. I might have to. I was disappointed, though, with the, uh, like, I don't know. I guess I just assumed that fraternities and sororities were going to send pledges over there and uh, have them set up, set up tents and all that kind of stuff. But I get it. Like, it is a big undertaking. I remember it being a big undertaking when we were in school. But well, and here's you the wanted thing to too, do it because it was fun. Here's the thing, too. Like, uh, I know a guy that, you know, was an SAE at OU. And, of course, they don't have a house now. But their, their alumni group, like, you know, their pledge brothers, I'm sure, uh, got together with some other pledge brothers, and they said, "Let's have a tailgate." And they ordered like the VIP stuff over on Lindsey and Jenkins. And he was like, "Well, we would love to be on Lindsey Street, but they announced it two weeks ago, so we already bought our package." So I think also next year, if this is successful, you'll get people that plan. Joe C probably doesn't want to hear this, but you'll get people to plan to move to Lindsey. Yeah, and I I still think that. We're talking about a situation that you just got to give it time. I know that it was disappointing on Saturday, but uh, there will be better opportunities to tailgate than before an Arkansas State game at 11, in which <laughs> there was a lot of people that just said, F that, I'm not even going down to Norman. And I think that there will be a pretty good group this week. I, just the Oklahoma City-Dallas crossover, I think there's a lot of people planning to come in town. 
All right. Um, yeah, you'd expect some some people to travel together, OU and SMU fans from Dallas kind of thing. Yeah, well, hopefully George, they aren't checking for cocaine bags at the border. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know you Dallas people. I know what's going on in Highland Park. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so I know George did ask Brent about you know the atmosphere and the walkthrough kind of in a nice way, and Brent said, I mean, Brent, I thought I had a kind of a scathing he did. comment that went under the yeah. radar, which was. Uh, once we got to the stadium, the atmosphere was fine. So. It, it's like it. It's it goes back to what we kind of started this endeavor about. When you bring recruits in, that's where they enter the stadium on the south side of uh, the. And think about like when we were zone. at Tennessee, like the Tennessee walk. Like yeah. uh, we were up there watching it from the press box. Like that's a big damn deal. Like that's yeah. that's impressive to recruits when you see that stuff. And that's why OU started doing it in the first place. No doubt. So it's got to be better. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, you you talk to guys that, other, that go to other schools, places like Tennessee where it's a really big deal. That's a huge part of the recruiting weekend. Now, they will mention it specifically, like, oh, the walk was amazing, blah, 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 you know, all the fans and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it is like we, we get people that at the same time, like, oh, use recruiting has got to get better. Well, man, do your part. Like, there's some lifting here that you can do and, you know, get out there. I know that. <laughs> a lot of people say, oh, it's not my job. Well, you can sit there and drink beer and listen to moderately loud music, apparently. So, you know, get 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 out there. Do your part. This is, if I have to dress Eddie up like Charlie Steiner and lead the people to freedom, I guess that's what we got to do. That'd be amazing. By the way, that was a great Manning cast commercial. Did you see that one? Where they're, the people are coming in, like uh, interviewing to be the co-hosts. Oh, you know, I saw the videos uh, rolling around on Twitter. I thought that those were like real auditions and I just completely scrolled by it. It's a commercial? Yes. Okay. They like try and put sleeves on Pat McAfee because they're sick of They said they can't work with somebody without sleeves and Tom Brady is in it. It's pretty good. Reese Witherspoon makes an appearance. That's worth watching. So, uh, all right. Um, Bob, I don't know. Did you ever get anything from Porter on the whole arena deal? Not yet, but now that it's done, maybe he'll he'll talk. I mean, clearly about he's going to support that. I mean, he's it, he's the only person that's really come out and said how he really feels oh, yeah. about Lloyd I mean, Noble. He's been so vocal about it, and and you hear you know what George put out today. It's like they hope to vote for it by spring, and then it's going to take three to four years. There's going to be a lot of snide remarks saying, "Well, Porter Moser's never going to be around for it anyway." But I mean, it's. So, clearly it's something Moser has mentioned repeatedly that this has to happen and if he can recruit at a high level like he got another I'm one you, man like this, this week he is recruiting extremely well two straight classes with two top 100 guys got another commitment yesterday I I think it like he is recruiting extremely well with two tan two hands tied behind his back yes he knows how to recruit he's got to figure out the portal a little bit better i know he feels a little hamstrung by the name image likeness what that situation looks like here but kuwal atak you got a six nine about 190 about 190 pounds jamie shaw from on three considers him one of the better shooters in the entire class on three loves kuwal he's ranked number 71 in the entire country. And so now you've got Dayton Forsyth from Dale, Kual, probably another one here coming here down the road. But I mean, it's just, it's amazing that, you know, 
as much as it feels like the on-court struggles the last two seasons, it has not affected high school recruiting. It might have played a role in transfer portal, but it has not impacted whatsoever what Porter's been able to do on the trail with the high school kids. I had some thought in my head, but now, but like you know, Jenny Baranchik will play there too. I mean, um, like I said, poor. I just wonder, like, do they keep Lloyd Noble? Does it just does the Earth take it? Um, do they just blast it? You know, what do you do? Like, well, I, you, I will say you this: have like, to keep the practice facility you because that Blake is Griffin that is like a very nice yeah. facility. It's nice. I don't know what the plan would be there. Get to that. Uh, cross that bridge when they get there. I think there's still a lot that has to be done for them to even get this vote to pass. I'm telling Al Ashback how to pronounce George's last name right now. Very good. I think that that should do it, though. This has been a long one. We're going to have a... Uh, you An know, hour and we'll a half. Be- I don't want to... I feel like Eddie is... is I bro, I'm, 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 He's gun-shy a little bit. I've told him to shorten everything for so long. Like we do two hour pods all the time. Well, not all the time, but it happens. So I know the there's a big fight on the YouTube comment section about you know about don't, what don't let Carrie tell you to make these shorter. We want long ones. So. Oh, wow! But then there's also the people that are like, we love the shorter ones. Not that they hate you guys, but no, but no, we've got a we've got some stuff we got going on, so we're gonna have to end it here. Uh, how you doing, George? George, you want to say anything? You want to at least be on the pod? You want to be on the on record as like you were here, ready to go? I just want you to know that I just spent an ungodly amount of money on Zach Bryan tickets. They went on pre-sale. You don't even want to know. For the for the peak? Or now the yeah, pay Yeah, it's uh, OKC Friday night, May 17th. An, an ungodly, like the most amount of money I've ever spent on maybe almost anything in my well, life. Well, you're a cheap bastard, so I'm going to say $200 a piece. It's no, that's very very not clear. Even, 500? I, I will tell you they are on the floor. I bought floor oh, seats. Oh, okay. It that is north of $500. It's the most I've ever spent how, on concert how many? tickets. One, one ticket. You're not taking you're not getting two? No. Can soon. You're going to go I, by there's yourself. A, there's a very good chance I don't go to this and I resell this ticket for $1,000. It's an investment. Yes. But There you go. I th- I was going to buy two, and I was going to get um, up top, and they literally sold out. The only tickets they had left were floor seats, and so I panicked and just bought one. So you don't have a relationship that's far enough along for you to Correct. spend that's, 500 or I don't, plus dollars I'm not on going them. to project on what's going on in May <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Are you right or left-handed? Uh, right. Going to that concert, you're going to need that afterwards. By yourself? No. <laughs> Uh, that's the end of the pod. Thanks okay. for joining, Thanks everybody. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com.